Welcome to the Talking Solutions with the Chesh podcast. I'm your host, William Cheshire. Join me in learning about optimistic solutions to some of society's problems as we interview entrepreneurs, small business owners, and employees, among others, working to provide solutions and bring positivity into the world. Welcome into another edition of the Talking Solutions with the Chesh, a podcast. In this episode, we're talking about fitness and exercise and community in this theme. I have with me the CEO and the founder of Motivate You, Ms. Jennifer Strout. And Jennifer, how are you today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thank you for asking. And, and Jennifer, I, I've kind of seen you around for a while on the Twitter atmosphere is kind of where I was made aware of you uh, back before you've blown up a little bit on your followers and that nature as well. And your platform always kind of interested me even before I started this podcast, uh, you know, it's centered around fitness and community, which I think is really important. So Jennifer, if you could just tell us a little bit about your solution uh, and why it's going to be able to, to be positive towards society. Sure. So basically, the solution came out of my own experiences in trying to get back to the gym after having children. Um, and between the drive, the childcare, uh, coordinating all of that, the amount of time that it takes to get to the gym, it kind of removes for me all the positive aspects of being in the class. But I do really like and have always enjoyed being with other people when I'm trying to reach a goal because there's something very motivating about having other people help hold you accountable. And so after I went through that experience of trying, I actually did go to a gym. I went to a class. My kids were miserable, though, and I ended up in turn being miserable. After I came home from that first attempt um, of, of trying to go to back to the gym after having my second son, I figured there's got to be something else better out there that maybe I could use from home. And so I searched and searched and I found that it was very similar to what it had been like in the 90s where I would put my grandpa's Tybo videos in the VHS and work out from home. I could stream videos on YouTube, but I wasn't able to get that feedback. And so that's when I decided there has to be a better way. How can we combine the best of the in-person classes and the convenience and the data from like some of the stuff from working out from home? Because now we have AI fitness that also allows the data, but it's still is absent of that in-person feeling where you get the feedback from a live human. Um, so our platform um, combines both of those. So you get to work out with a trainer from your local gym or fitness center. If you relocate and you want to still connect your old gym, you, you're welcome to do that. And it allows you to get the same amount of data and feedback from some of the AI fitness. So if you're doing a particular exercise, the system will tell you in real time whether or not you're doing it correctly. Which is really, really cool really really cool the real-time data i tried it out we're definitely going to have videos you can check them out it'll be on our social media platforms for those that uh want a visual representation you can also just go to motivate you uh and and see them there uh jennifer you talked about the community and you talked about the data feedback because there's a lot you can really pick out here that that what you're doing is, is providing a great solution for me obviously exercise and working out is fantastic to encourage because it's it's pretty much all healthy for you. I guess maybe you could argue if you run too much on concrete, it's not great for your knees. But other than that, like the long-term benefit of working out is really helpful. And I think the community aspect is getting lost, uh, particularly accelerated with the, the COVID pandemic and things of that nature as well. So you're bringing in both. So tell us a little bit about why that community part is, is so important to you and, and part of the Motivate You platform. So um, I have my master's in counseling and I worked in emergency departments for about seven years. And the mental health aspect of 
being connected to other individuals is so huge that actually affects our physical health. So the longest predictor of longevity past 100 years of age is actually interpersonal connections. So it's more highly correlated with longevity than even exercise itself. But obviously we can combine both of those, right? So if you're isolated um, from others, it just really can exacerbate a lot of physical conditions as well, and including like how the immune system um, reacts. And so that's why that it's really important to have an actual community, though not necessarily just one that's virtual. Um, and so being able to know that these are people that are part of your gym or local gym, or you could potentially get coffee with if you wanted to, I think is really important, as opposed to connecting into a big group of people that you may or may not ever interact with or meet. Um, there's definitely benefits to online communities, but pure online communities lack something when we continue to get isolated. On the other hand, with things like the pandemic, we need to be able to move in and out of um, in-person interactions. And that's why this platform also allows for like hybrid models. So you can use in-person, still grab your data and continue to use it from there. Um, go into the classes when you want to, do them from home when you can't. Um, so that that being able to move in and out. But we also have some community features built into our consumer app where you can connect with people you know and help to encourage um, each other. But one thing that we do that's different is we measure you against your own starting point as opposed to like a hard number. So if you're trying to reach 10,000 steps, but you're starting at 8,000 and I'm trying to reach 10,000 steps and I'm starting at 5,000, I have to double my steps. Whereas you're just going um, to get like 25% more. So in that case, if I'm going 100% more, but you're going 25% more, you're more likely to get to your goal before mine, right? And so that could be very discouraging for somebody who's starting further back, but we should be measuring people by the amount of progress they're making towards their goal, not necessarily the end goal. Everybody's body type is different too. So we don't want to discourage people in that regard. So we allow people to get involved with leaderboards and competitions, but it's all based on the percentage towards your goal, not a hard number. I uh, love that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I remember I did, uh, what was that workout called? Oh, Insanity years ago. And uh, yeah, you know, you track down your progress to start and then you kind of work towards your goals every two weeks. And, and to have that kind of just set on your own versus using a fixed number of what you should is, is really helpful. Uh, Jennifer, can you just give us, I guess, a verbal walkthrough of how the application works, kind of how working out via AI and utilizing data and, and kind of having that instructor on the other side and how that kind of works. Because I think for some people still, that type of exercise and working out might be unfamiliar, uh, but it could be the, the solution that really helps them. Like you said, you know, uh, maybe there are some uh, moms out there or dads out there that are trying to balance work in the kids and they want to hit the gym, like you said, but maybe they don't have the, quite the time or they don't want to deal with the crying children and all that type of stuff. So can you just explain like from a verbal standpoint, how the, the, the software works and, and the type of experience you can have? Sure. And pre-pandemic too, I was thinking about all my friends that travel for business a lot. So if you're the consumer, you just hop on the plane, put your phone in your pocket, get to your hotel room, take your phone out, you open the app, the teacher or trainer will have already put the class on and then you just enter the class. When you enter the class, you just look at the trainer, what they're doing and follow the movements. And then as the trainee, you'll see a colored light at the bottom. So you have a bar that's either green, orange, or red. Green means you're doing well. Orange means that you're kind of in that neutral zone. And red means that you're a little bit off with exercise and you may need a correction. Um, so depending on how big the class is for the trainer, 
and how many people are popping up red, the trainer may actually give you instruction in real time, just as if you were in a class when the trainer comes around or looks looks in the mirror and says, you know, you, you might want to turn your uh, foot a little bit to the right, or you could tweak your hip there, or your knee is too far over your foot, you're, you could cause injury. Usually the trainer's kind of always keeping an eye on everybody, and this helps them to zoom in, which I'll talk about in a second. But so from the trainee side, you just continue to do the exercises. Usually, especially if it's a new class, it's hard to say fix it in real time. So at the end of the class, you can look at your graph of how you did during that whole class and see where you need the most improvement. But if it's a class you've been going to for a while, and maybe the trainer does pretty much the same routine, if you see yourself hitting red, then you know, oh, hold on, let me see, what is it that I'm doing wrong? You can adjust yourself at that point too. Um, from the trainer side, the trainer sets up the class, adds the students that are gonna be there. If it's a reoccurring class, they'll, then they can make it so it pops up in the calendar each time. And then they just launch the class when it's ready to start. And then instead of having a bar around the square or the rectangle, depending on how many people are fitting on the screen, of the trainer will be the color light, the same green, orange, or red. And then the person who needs the most um, feedback at that time pops up as the only screen for the trainer. So the trainer can focus on giving feedback to one specific person and at that moment if if they are able to or want to give feedback at that time. If not, then afterwards, again, the trainer can see every individual client's graphs and then give feedback because there's a messaging system too for the trainers to provide feedback. Very cool. And I have I have used it. I have personally tried it out. It does work really well. And it is kind of cool to see that graph to where you're hitting, where you're not hitting. In my case, anything that involved trying to touch my toes, not great. Um, but and again, we highly encourage you to go to motivateyou.net to get a visual representation of that. Or like I said, uh, on our social media platforms, we'll be promoting and providing a, a video of that for you as well on that front. Um, so Jennifer, what types of exercises, what types of workouts, what, what types of things is this for? Is it a ride uh, range? Is this great for yoga? Is this great for um, some kind of lightweight workouts, plyometrics? What types of stuff, uh, workouts and exercises can people kind of look for and see on these? Or is it dependent on the trainer? Yeah, so the trainer can run any type of classes. Um, the reason I usually demo yoga classes is because when I went back to school after working at the hospital, I went back for a biochem degree and then I was a personal trainer and a yoga instructor at the same time. So for me, that's what I'm familiar with the most. And that's um, what I feel like the most people can kind of jump in on for demo purposes. Um, even if you're maybe not in great shape, it's not super fast like some of the aerobics. But also if you think about injuries and people being prone to injuries um, and doing things remotely or if somebody's older or has maybe had an injury or surgery or just given birth, you know, we, they want to be a little more careful. And so being able to monitor to make sure people aren't doing things that injure themselves, or if you're watching your own colors and you see yourself go red, you might want to maybe take, just take a time out if you realize I don't know how to do this exercise correctly, or I need to work on this or talk to the trainer more after or ask for a modification that can kind of help. But yeah, I, I prefer to demo yoga because I think it kind of meets everybody where they're at and there are different um, ways to approach it, but it's up to the gym, whatever classes that they um, choose to run or have available, they can run those here. Lots of flexibility, love it. So we've kind of talked about um, the consumer and we did a little bit about the trainer. So so 
and obviously the data, this is going to be helpful, but how, how does this empower, you know, personal trainers and fitness instructors out there, especially as they have had to learn to adapt to bring their platform and bring their business online because, you know, they just didn't have access to the gyms. Uh, and I'm sure for some of them that could be a hybrid approach in the future. So how does this kind of empower them and, and help them? Yeah. So un unfortunately the gyms have not been given much options with technology in terms of what was out there before the pandemic hit and pretty much not too much has come along since, but what trainers have been doing is just streaming the videos. Um, and the problem with that is that they can't see the trainees or the clients when they're running them and can't get feedback. If they're deciding to not stream them using a service, but they're using Zoom, then they're trying to look at 30 tiles at once or you know whatever size the class is. And I've had trainers say they sit, just sit down and look at one tile at a time. By the time you're on the second tile, you already can no longer see the first one because um, you can only really see one person if you're trying to correct them, but then you also can't demonstrate. So how do you get new clients if you're only relying on people who already know the exercises? Um, so our program allows it again to alert you to who you need to focus on at that time so that you're not having to try to figure out who, who to see or just move on and hope the first, second, third, first, fourth person are doing fine by the time you get to the fifth, sixth person. The data also then is um, able to be collected at the end. So if you think of for admins or owners of gyms or franchises, there can be a lot of turnover with trainers and trainers are often um, evaluating people from a subjective experience. So we use the same technology to run the classes that we use to evaluate where somebody's at when they're starting. So we do the initial assessment reassessments. So if you switch over to another trainer, then that data is still going to be the same. So it's going to have the same baseline. And then from the, so from the owner's point of view too, they could see, is it a particular trainer that's doing really well, or do they maybe score themselves subjectively better when they're doing their reassessments for their clients? Or is it maybe the classes that they're teaching or the type of clients that are joining those classes? So we run data insights on all the different trends and let uh, the admins and owners know if we see any trends within the data as well. Mm, very interesting. So lots, lots to kind of take apart and benefit from uh, if you're a fitness instructor or trainer and then a gym that even uh, employs those types of trainers and things of that nature as well. Jennifer, you talked a little bit about this and your background was uh, around this as well as kind of the, the mental health, the relationships. I think that's fascinating that, um, you know, the relationships in the community you build is linked to, to a longer life, um, which is obviously makes a lot of sense, right? We're social creatures. So I'm curious as well as, as when you were kind of creating this platform and whatnot, how much did the, the mental health benefits and how much did, did that type of psyche and, and the importance of that uh, kind of go into your creation of this platform? Yeah, so um, I've always loved technology. My grandfather used to work for Apple. So I got my first computer when I was four. And I've always been fascinated and, and enjoyed it, but I've also seen that it can be used negatively. And so I thought there's so many algorithms out there that have people reinforcing negative habits. Why can't we use what we know about um, psychology to help people reinforce positive habits? So even from the aspect of like the motivational psychology and habit building, that's built into the way the platform works and how it engages with people to keep moving forward, but also to get them past that initial hurdle of getting started. And then in, in the community aspect is how many touch points can we have for encouraging each other? So we have this system too, where you can give out high fives to each other. Like I saw you, you, I saw you in the class today. So you just give the person a high five or they did a good job or they weren't there for a while. Now they came back. 
it doesn't matter. Just it's kind of like a, you know, again, I saw you if I was at the gym, I might give a high five before the pandemic to people I know. And now you can't necessarily at, at most in most places, but or shouldn't, I should say. But um, unfortunately, that that may or may not go on for a while. But I think that's like a universal sign of like, I see you, you're doing a good job. Congratulations. And so we want it a way to, for people to be able to push that positivity. And actually, you can earn rewards within the system for um, unlocking like the paid versions of the app and also for earning swag as well, you know, t-shirts and stuff, <laughs> water bottles, yoga mats. Um, but yeah, that, so we want people to interact with each other and that I think also will encourage them to do so by the fact that you can get rewards and you know you're helping reward other people within the, the community. And then again, the leaderboards and the community boards and seeing who else is trying to reach a particular goal, you can set those on or off. So a lot of women we've talked to don't really want to necessarily be seen at the gym or um, that part can be very uncomfortable for them. And so if they don't want to be seen during the other class, during the classes by other people in the class, they can turn that off. If they don't want their goals to be seen by other people, you can turn that off. You can maybe just have your friends or you can have your gym or you can have it open to a bigger community. And all of those privacy settings come at each stage. So we don't have this big, like it's open or closed. Each of the individual steps or processes that you can get involved with have their own privacy setting so that you can really personalize it from the beginning and, and meet your comfort level. And also with people who have anxiety, it might be hard for them to first be seen, but as they realize they're doing a good job, they can open it up to more people as well. So it also helps with, um, you know, kind of getting to the point where maybe you're getting back into the gym. I think one thing that's going to be really hard post-pandemic is for people who have been removed from the community who already had some anxiety interacting, it's going to be really hard to get back into it. And so this can allow for first kind of being completely private, then getting more open within the virtual community, and then eventually knowing that that gym exists, that you can step back into it if and when you're ready to. So there's lots of like meeting people where they're at and kind of growing with individuals. That's fantastic. I think that's my favorite part of your platform. It's just the fact that it's so community centric and organized and based. Obviously, getting back data and how well you're working out is super important, right? I mean, it's part of the challenge of exercise. It's part of the challenge of self-improvement as well. But sometimes the hardest part for some people, because I, I find exercises is really an interesting topic for some people. They got to go every day. They're obsessed. They can't they can't go without it. Right. They don't need anything to motivate or motivation or anything like that. For other people, they love the idea, they love the working out process, but you know, getting the motivation to go do it, getting the the like you said, there's anxiety around it and the the mental health and the confidence to go out and do it can be difficult. And your platform really focuses on that community centric kind of organization as well and things of, of that nature. So in your experience, um, just within your profession and then, you know, just your life experience as well, where did you see that and, and how much did, how did that kind of help you balance the two platforms of like, okay, here's the data and the exercise. And then obviously we talked about how much input you put in the community health, but you know, when you look at the spectrum of people that exercise and can use this platform, you know, where do you kind of see that kind of trending? Is it down with more of the people that need obviously motivate you, you would sound it. But to me, it also sounds like people that use and exercise regularly can use it as well. Right? Yeah. So I, the reason I really wanted to pull that in is because I feel like there is a lot of exclusion across all types of products um, in our in our society. 
the, there's this idea of like, well, suck it up or like you lose, like, you, you know, like get with the program or we'll leave you behind. And so the, if you look at uh, the trends, um, I'll just talk about the United States in particular um, with obesity rates and with poor diet and exercise, the gap is getting like wider and wider, right? So we're just more and more people are getting left behind. And then we say, oh, well, it's their fault. There's options out there. They should probably go ahead and do them. But are those options for that person? No, it's like you already have to be at a certain level. And then if you do try to engage with those platforms, you're made to feel bad because you're not even ranking on the board when, again, you may have made more progress, but all these other people are starting way above you. And so you, you can't even ever get any traction. So my first thought was, how can we make it so that it's accessible to everybody? And then that means including everybody in different parts of the community, no matter where you're at. And yes, because you can change the settings and because the goals are based on your own starting point and ending point, you can also be somebody who's working out all the time and still benefit from it because you can ramp it up. For the trainers too, they have settings that depending on if it's an easy, moderate or advanced class where the, the colored lights will actually be indicating at different times. So we actually put up more of an advanced setting on the class that you were running. So everybody cut him a break. If you look at his colors, he was doing a pretty, <laughs> pretty hard setting. But so that means that, the, again, the people can set it for where they, they are and then continue to grow from there. But I think the most important thing is making sure that we don't we don't have this false sense of openness and acceptance and accessibility when in reality, it's really just, you know, this this safe with a, a locked door and a combination. And so, yeah, there's a door, but if you don't know how to get in and then good luck, we, it shouldn't be that way to be an open door and then everybody can make their path from there. 100% agree. It's, it's all about f how it works for that individual, that specific individual. With the community aspect, I want to ask you a little more, I guess, nitty gritty details more about the business and how that type of type of stuff is going as well. But before we kind of get into that, what are your, your future goals? What are, what are the end goals? What are the plans for Motivate You? Is it to develop this into a much bigger community-based fitness software, like groups and Facebook and online groups and support groups, local meetups for the people in the community as well? Or what, what, what's uh, the long term? What, what's the dream of Motivate You? So we have a, a community form through a Slack channel that you could connect to through the um, through the app already. So that's definitely something that we want. We want people to be allowed to grow it into what they want and get as much extra support as they want. But my long-term vision is to really to see how can we use certain metrics to help with, with health and prevention, more prevention as opposed to um, treatment. So working in the hospitals too, it's it's very much a treatment model. We wait until you get really sick and being in the emergency room, we wait until people, unfortunately people show up very, very sick oftentimes and wouldn't have done anything leading up to getting there to have maybe prevented it so they didn't have to end up in the hospital. Um, and so the thought is if we can see certain trends with, if you maybe experienced a cardiac arrest and then what's the right amount of exercise? What's too much? What's too little? What type? How much support do you need? Um, and start to see what we can do to help people prevent getting ill in the first place, or if they have been ill, what can they do to prevent from getting sick again longer? Um, so that's really my, my hope. But again, there's so much interconnectedness between mental and physical health. We can't separate those and expect to get good results. Um, there's just so many studies that could go on and on about how if you are just trying to focus on one, um, but not the other, it's 
and I'm thinking right now, this one's going way back to, to childhood, but if anybody's ever heard about the wire monkey or the cloth monkey with, with the babies, so they had these babies and they, they took them away from the baby monkeys, they took them away from their mother, and then they put them in a cage, one with a wire monkey and one with a cloth monkey. And the ones that had the wire monkey just like literally physically did not do well, even though they had the same food and everything and access to um, same nutrition. But the cloth monkey, it's that connection, it's that actual making that connection with something that felt to them like, like a mother. Um, and so again, if we completely isolate ourselves from any type of support and just have this artificial support, which I would say is, would be the wire, the wire monkey, um, then we're not gonna really be able to to thrive. We might sort of stay alive like the, the monkey, but you're gonna be malnourished or, or ill, different things that are representative of that. It's it's such an a innate need that we have being human, but also being in the mammal species, there is a need to, for connection. And I think with the pandemic, people are seeing more and more how much that really is affecting affecting their well-being. Yeah, you have the great slogan and, and kind of the motto that you have, you know, enhancing humans, you know, not replacing them. Um, I don't know if that's exactly it, so I apologize. But yeah, using AI to <laughs> enhance humans, not to replace them. Yeah, yeah because that's, the, that's what the model is, right? It's okay, we're either gonna use paper and pencil or we're gonna use computers and there's nothing in between. And and that's why I think people have gotten this this thought like AI is bad, uh, computers are bad, they're gonna take our jobs. And it's like, well, why can't we just use them to to help enhance the things that maybe humans are not as great with, with keeping track of all this data and just you know making these correlations between these statistics that you couldn't possibly track without having to manually write them down, which would take all the time that you're supposed to be interacting with your clients. Um, so why can't we use it for that part? But then that doesn't mean we have to just get rid of the human altogether. Like we could use a bot, but that would be that would erase half of what we're looking for, right? So our our technology also works on any mobile device um, or computer. So you can take it with you wherever you go, but we're not gonna then connect you to the bot. We're connecting you to another human trainer, right? So we didn't say like, oh, we could do this. Let's just do it. No, that's, we're saying like, what's the best way to do it and combining the best of the both worlds. So the human aspect and the data. And like you said, scientifically, it's there. I mean, you have to combine both because the fitness part is great and the exercise, but if you work out every day, but you don't have good relationships with anybody or, I mean, and that doesn't even just include your community, but just in general, your overall health is not going to be great, right? And, and the same on the other side around, if you have a great relationships with people, but you don't do anything to keep your body in check, then again, you're going to have the, the problem. So I love how it just combines everything. And then there's a lot of innovation going on. It's like, why not utilize tech in a positive manner? You know, it doesn't have to be bad. You know, like you said, it, a lot of people uh, kind of get lost in that. I think it doesn't help that any movie about any type of tech ever made is always bad. But um, yeah, I mean, we can utilize this and make it a really positive and fun experience to enhance us and make us better overall. Um, Jennifer, what types of things uh, have been a struggle for you with the business in terms of that nature? What types of challenges are you seeing with these platforms, uh, with the platform, uh, whether that be externally or internally, pain points amongst consumers, trainers, or internal uh, that you've been facing and are trying to solve at this point? So I think one thing that's actually very surprising is how much paper and pencil gyms and fitness centers still use. So they still take a lot... 99.9% .9 of them, meaning I haven't found somebody yet who doesn't, um, still take their assessments down with paper and pencil, and then they kind of get filed in a drawer and 
you know, maybe looked at later, maybe not. Um, I, I, a lot of people just are, are kind of like keeping track of things in their head, they say. But so, so even with the pandemic there, and, and I believe AI fitness was taking up brick and mortar gyms long before the pandemic, but even with the pandemic, there's still some resistance to, well, oh, go away soon. Or with the summer being like, oh, we could just work out outside, but it's not just about the pandemic. It's about convenience and again, making accessible for everybody just because a mom is also working and she doesn't have a lot of time in between or because somebody goes on a lot of business trips doesn't mean that they shouldn't be able to access the same type of fitness and, and availability. And then again, like trying to make that work-life balance. So if you're adding in the, the extra drive and the commute to and from the gym during a busy time of year or during when it's snowing or whatever the weather is or during a pandemic or flu season, all those extra components just keep people from being able to get into the gym, but there's still, there's some mentality in the gym that like, well, we're here so you can get to us if you want it to. And so I think there's still some barriers to that and it's not with everybody, but I do, I do kind of see that I'm, I get um, presented with some resistance, just like with any field. I think when new technologies start to come in, there's like, well, we've been doing it this way for this long. So why change now? And then on the other hand, some of the, the gyms and fitness centers who have started trying to use the technology during the pandemic were unfortunately met with tech, I call 1990s technology, which is, you know, middleware and then streaming services, which have been around for a while. And so they somehow got convinced to pay for things that are very similar to YouTube, don't offer any feedback, don't offer any data. And so they sometimes will immediately assume that we're doing the same thing when we're not doing anything close to that, um, but so we could get written off in that way. So I think it's learning how to, to educate people about what we're doing when it's so different. It's it's difficult to try to find the right words sometimes to articulate how we are different and how we would make it easier for them. When again, there's just a lot of resistance to change, and then a, a kind of like, well, we've been we've been given this uh, snake oil. <laughs> I'll call some of the products out there. Unfortunately, we're told to do all these things and it didn't. So why would I trust your product now? Right. Yeah. That's always the business challenges as well as getting yourself out in front and getting them to see the solution the way you see it and the way your users see it uh, and all that types of stuff as well. Yeah. So uh, how has uh, the business process been going for you in terms of collecting users, in terms of getting people uh, signed up and things of that nature as well and talking to trainers and that type of outreach? You know, what type of reactions are you getting via social media and things of that nature? So when we do the demos, yeah, people get it. It's gotten really good. And I think I've gotten better. I've noticed from like when we were putting things on the website in January to when we update the website, which gets updated about every other week or so um, in July, when I was starting to do calls from then to then, there was, I have no idea what you're doing to people are repeating back that an understanding of the product that seemed to have really grown. So we have only been live with the enterprise solution for about two weeks. Um, and as anybody in B2B sales knows, the sales process can take months. So we did start the sales process with some companies back at, at, as far as um, May, but those are still ongoing. And then the consumer um, product has not launched yet, um, but it'll be launching by the end of Q3. And we have over 600 signups for that is 600. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Do you see this um, for your target market in, in terms of 
I guess, um, the ratio uh, of your market? Do you see a lot of it coming from enterprise and gyms and B2B, or do you see a lot of it coming from the B2C, or are you seeing kind of a, a nice mix of the two? So we have over um, 80 um, businesses in the sales pipeline between like the calls three and up, like, you know, they've made it past the third call and over 900 like warm leads in the business. So technically that's more, but that's where we started our focus first. We haven't really thought to go to the, direct to the consumer until we are getting a lot of requests from some of the social media presences, you know, as far as like, well, I'm going to your website, but where's the product for me? And my thought was, well, you can join on once the gyms are on. But then I realized it's kind of like a, a chicken or egg thing. We could offer all of our peripheral technology to the consumers directly anyway. And then once there are gyms on, they could connect directly to the gyms. So if they have a gym there to go to, we offer um, the situation where you can get a, we'll pay for your gym membership for a year if you send your gym as a lead to us and we sign them on. Or you can connect to one of the gyms that we already have on. So then that offers extra benefit to the gyms that are signing on because we have these users that are signing on. And I could tell you that the majority of them do not have a connection to a gym yet. So they are looking for that. Um, so there are features that when you're on the consumer app that would just tell you like if that the, the, basically the only feature you can't access is the live classes unless you're connected to someone, but all the other features you can use anyway. So we're kind of letting the consumer piece move, like move on its own. Um, but on social media, that's where there's a lot, a lot of people obviously are going to be, we have more consumers that are out there. Um, so they're just finding out about it mostly through me talking about <laughs> the product or my experience in startups and tech. And so, yeah, again, we figured we might as well capture those leads. We did a little experiment for 24 hours and saw how many hits we were getting on a page for individuals. And then we decided to go ahead and go through with it. So it remains to be seen um, because we have only, we've been pushing the enterprise piece from day one and only started even considering the consumer side at the end of April. It's all about the data, isn't it? It's data, yeah. data, data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I see <laughs> right there. Because you, you have so much directions that you could take it, right? I mean, I think it's a good approach kind of see where where the consumer takes it because that, that, that's a lot of benefits for the gyms as well. I mean, if you're starting to get a bunch of consumer signups and they're like, wow, and then they're in that area in the gym, then you know, that, that could easily help you attract those gyms. And that's a fantastic perk. Right. Yeah. Pay for a full year of a gym membership for somebody. Oof. Yeah. If I didn't travel as much as I did, I'd say, sign me up. I'll, I'll, let me go take that to the gym. Well, you might even just find your, <laughs> so I have a friend who loves CrossFit, right? Um, and he went from one CrossFit to another. I won't name the two cities because the one he moved to, he's like, it's not the same. I want to go back to my old CrossFit. And so he could now, he could join through that CrossFit and just do it virtually. And then when he goes back home to visit family or friends, then he could go in, even if it's once a year, he could still do everything from remotely. So that's the thing too. If you do travel a lot, you could find, well, what's your favorite one you've ever vacationed and dropped into, or where's the one in your hometown? Or, you know, where's the one you are now that you maybe even go to very rarely. Like, honestly, with my schedule, if, if I could do a gym like twice a year, that would be like, yeah. <laughs> fantastic for me. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's again, like knowing that you can grow into it too. Like, okay, well maybe when my kids that are now three and six, maybe when they're say like five years from now, then maybe I will be going to the gym once a month instead of twice a year, but it's whatever community resonates with you and then you make it work for you. Yeah. Yeah. The, the consumers and the clients can blow this up globally. You can start getting some international and take over the yeah. world, motivate you. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome, Jennifer. Um, and then in terms of, um, 
you know, you mentioned the enterprise just launched a couple of weeks ago and, and still working on the signups and the consumer and you hope to launch that for Q3 as, as well. Uh, so from a business perspective, in terms of just, you know, staying on track and staying on time and, and you know, handling uh, your staff, your team or your freelancers or contractors and things of that nature as well as a CEO, tell us a little bit about those challenges, how you're managing them and what things you're learning. I, I know this isn't the first time you founded a company, so uh, just tell us a little bit about about that aspect. Yeah, so we're remote distributed. Um, we launched during the pandemic, so that's how that worked out. But I also was very open to that idea anyway, um, because it just allows us to get talent from anywhere. But with that, there has to be a lot of communication with the team. And so anybody who's at least 10 hours a week, I meet with them individually every single week. And then we do monthly team meetings. We do some weekly ones, depending on what you know, our goals are at that time. I meet with everybody individually at least once a month, regardless of how much they're on the team. But it's really that communication. It's getting a little tough because we're at about 21 people now. We're just shifting with the end of the summer. So, you know, some interns coming in and going out. That's why I say about 21 people. <laughs> but uh, th that's a little tough because at this point, most people are directly reporting to me. So, um, hopefully it's starting in the fall as we expand the team more. We'll also add like another layer of um, some team leads uh, that will hopefully help take some of that pressure off. But pretty much I think that the communication is is really good overall. The people who I've offered to come on that have transitioned from part-time to full-time have been people who are really good with understanding the way I communicate. And I'll say that because I'm not going to say I'm a, an expert communicator. I think I definitely move too fast sometimes. And I assume that everybody can catch up to what's in my head. <laughs> and so making sure I'm articulating that, um, that can definitely get lost, I think, when I'm jumping from one department to another. Um, and so the people who have, have really like kind of been able to just pick up wherever I, wherever I leave off with the conversation and fill in the gaps and ask me questions and aren't afraid to kind of find out, okay, what did, what did they maybe miss or what was unclear, just do really well. And I think that's part of the nature of a startup though. It moves really fast and you do have to be independent and able to ask those questions. So I think I've been really lucky that I've sourced most of the people from my network. And so I've, I have tried to do the interview uh, process too. At one point I had over 90 applicants for a position uh, I had 93 and it, it just, it got, it, it was very, that part was very draining, um, trying to keep up with, with all the interviews and everything. Um, so that's probably going to be a, a struggle going into the, uh, to the fall. I've kind of, again, reached out to my network, try to fill it from there because again, having like completely open jobs where you're having tons of applicants come through can then turn you, turn into like a full-time hiring uh, position where all I'm doing is interviewing people and going through um, resumes. But we are also because we're ex planning to expand in the fall and the winter. Anytime somebody asks me, we have a position, I say, yes, like we're going to be like, we don't have one right now, but we're, we're coming up to having them. So please send your resume in now to hrmotivateyou.net because we keep them all on file. And that's also helped me with being able to take on people from outside of my network because then I can go through them more slowly and I know who's available as opposed to just getting a dump of like 93 applications in a week. But that's, that's a constant struggle, but that's a struggle for all 
startups, but I, I guess better than having the struggle of I can't fill the spots because no one wants them. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of those problems. That's a yeah, good problem. Yeah, same thing with right? the pipeline. Like we can't keep up with the leads. So we're hiring salespeople now too, but like, that's a good problem. I'll take it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a fantastic problem to have. Awesome. Um, and then Jennifer, from a from a funding standpoint, did it start being bootstrapped? Have you had some backers this time, or how's that kind of worked? Yeah, so we started with being bootstrapped and a very very small family and friends round. Just to give you an idea, the closest the living relatives I have are my two aunts and my first cousin. I have one first cousin, um, so I we had twenty thousand um, dollar family and friends round, and now we have a refunder campaign that we launched. So just slowly starting to try to take on some funding so that we kind of have the chicken egg problem that being able to expand and have the um, staff available for like customer service and making sure that as we bring on new users, we can handle that volume and having like the infrastructure for that creates kind of like a bottleneck situation um, where we have to have that in place to be able to take on these contracts. And yet, until we take on the contracts, we don't have the money to put that in place. So that's where the funding kind of has to come in. <laughs> right, exactly. There's that, like you said, the chicken and egg uh, perspective of it as well. But uh, Jennifer, yeah, well, how can people help? How can people uh, get signed up if they're interested in being a consumer, if they're a gym owner by chance listening, you know, or uh, how, how can people kind of help out? Or if they're just like your business and, and you know, want to see it go, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about um, ways that people can help, whether that's a simple follow and engagement on social media or... Um, uh, you know, signing up and being a potential consumer. Yeah. So if you're interested in any way with either applying for a job or being a consumer or enterprise or investing, if you go to the website, motivateyou.net, then you'll see all the sub pages. It also you can learn about how we are involved with the community. Um, we are members of the 1% pledge. So we give back 1% of our um, time product and our profits. So you can see some of our engagement and upcoming events on our page as well. If you have no interest in this, but you kind of see that it could be beneficial to others, then yeah, follow us on social media. We have a little presence on everywhere and probably Twitter is where we have the biggest presence. So yeah, followers are definitely helpful. I think that's kind of like a good thing to think. Like if you, if you kind of like the idea of it again, but you don't want to use it for whatever reason now or just being able to follow people, I think, and spread the message that way is actually a lot more helpful than I think people realize. Oh, I agree completely. Even, you know, sometimes sometimes a product or something just might not just be for you, right? But sometimes, you know, that happens to me sometimes, but I still think the product is cool. I think there's a market for it. So any type of following engagement to spread that awareness to people that it will help is is really important. So that's fantastic. Jennifer, is there anything else you'd like to add uh, about Motivate You or about yourself or about the process and the, and the, and the application in the community or anything? Um, I'll just add that we're going to be on Ted Danson's Advancement Series on CNBC uh, this November. So if you want to learn more about us, uh, you can check that out as well. Awesome. So there you go. Put it in the calendars for November and uh, put that uh, available to watch. I'm sure you'll be having all that all over the website and social media as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Twitter will definitely update. Yeah, 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 yeah. Twitter. That's the go-to. You've been killing it on Twitter recently. <laughs> um, yeah. Trying. So we'll have all those links for the social media, for the website, and everything available on our uh, Talking Solutions podcast a page for Instagram, Facebook, and more. So in YouTube. So. Uh, if you can't find it, uh, be sure to just go to our page and we can definitely 
uh, point you in the right direction to learn more. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with me. It's been fantastic to hear about your solution uh, and to hear about all the great ways that you're trying to unite people, keep them positive, keep them motivated, and, and help them live healthier and happier lives. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Yes, absolutely. That is Jennifer Strout, the CEO and the founder of Motivate You, a community-driven platform that's going to encourage fitness and allow you to, from all levels, to get data-driven results of your exercise as well from a kind of a hybrid at-home place, but also a gym community as well. So definitely be sure to check that out. You can go to motivateyou.net to find out more information about that. And as I mentioned before, all of those links and information and highlights of this platform, we'll have a demo for you. Uh, we'll be on our uh, Talk and Solutions podcast page on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and more. So thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Talking Solutions podcast. Looking forward to the next one. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for listening to the Talking Solutions with the Chesh podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode, and you can find out more about our featured guests and their solutions on our Talking Solutions podcast, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube channels as we focus on highlighting individuals providing solutions to social problems and bringing optimism to the world.